Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. In all the other night, just in the, just in that, just mathematically, how in the world are we going to survive? The loudest voice will win. Let me say that again. The loudest voice will win. The voice that you hear consistently over and over and over. And the loudest one, that's one you're going to eventually trust in. So you're going to have to be proactive in the battle for your soul. You're going to have to get the word of God. You're going to have to digest the word of God. Hear, hear his word. Read his word. Study his word. Getting his word in you. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are. God has a rich word uh, that's in store for you. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going to go today, the Lord willing, going into a part two of the message entitled Battle for the Soul. This is a sub-series of the, of the series, uh, The Weekend Church, or that talks about the church. But today, it's this, this is part two of Battle for the Soul. We talked about last time how the Lord de- designed your, your mind. He designed your soul to be a thinking soul. You are a thinking soul. You will think, whether you want to think or not, you will think because you were designed to think. And even the best of us, there are some humans that are able to pause their thinking for a little while through meditation, but you can't stop it permanently unless you're dead. You were designed to think. You were designed to reason. You are a thinking spirit. You're going to think. Whether you think on something good or think on something bad, you will think. And how the soul is under your control, is under your influence. Remember, man is a spirit. He lives in the body and possesses a soul. You as a spirit man are in control. You should be in control of uh, your thoughts and, and control of your body. Now, when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, your spirit will, became new. We understand that. You became new in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. God has given you a new spirit. You're a new species of being. Your body didn't change, but your soul still must be saved. Not saved as in you, if you don't, if your soul is not saved, you're going to hell. That's not what it's talking about. Your soul being saved has to do with how you begin to think, how you begin to reason, how you begin to accept or, or reject things. As a matter of fact, an untrained soul acts like a bottleneck to miracles. It, it can actually bottleneck your faith. An untrained soul can bottleneck your faith. That is, you hear a word, you hear a word from God. You know that, Lord, that the Lord said this. You know, you, you have the goosebumps all on your, your skin. Your hairs are raised up all over you. You know your body, so your body's reacting. You, your body's saying, yes, this is a word from the Lord. And spiritually, you know this is a word from the Lord. But your soul can either receive that or reject that word. Recall when the Lord uh, was going to a father who his son was epileptic. And the disciples went to try to heal the son, try to cast that devil out. 
but they couldn't do it. Jesus comes on the scene, and the Lord Jesus asked the man, do you believe I can do this? He said, I believe, but help mine unbelief. There was a contradiction between the spirit and the soul. The spirit man said, I believe you, but it was bottlenecked in the soul. I, help me. I'm, I'm still struggling with this. I'm struggling. So the, an untrained soul can bottleneck the blessings of God. An untrained soul. You can either receive what God is saying or reject what God is saying. An untrained soul. And there are several, several examples of that. Sometimes the Lord gives us understanding as to what he's saying. Something so miraculous like Mary, like the angel Gabriel goes to Mary. Hey, you're going to have the Christ. You're going to have the Son of God. Okay? Surely there's an angel, big angel right there. You see that with your eyes. There's a big angel right there. Surely this is an authorized voice. You know that this is authentic. But it's bottlenecked in the soul. How can this be? I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. Bottlenecked. What does the angel do? Give her understanding. Helps prepare her soul so that she can carry the word. The soul must be prepared so that you can carry the word. How can this happen? Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. So the soul then lined up with the spirit, and then the body brings in the manifestation. You understand it? So there's a lot of that in the word of God. Even when you talk about Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus goes to the Lord. The Lord said, hey, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. Okay? Here's Jesus, an authentic source, the authentic word of God himself, telling him what's going to happen. Nicodemus does what? Goes right back into the soul, bottlenecks the word. How can a man that is old be born again? Can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? What's that? That's the soul, right? That's the mind, the will, and the emotion. That's the soul. So the soul struggled with that. The soul can struggle with the word. And until, the, until there's more information given to the soul, and Jesus began to tell him, hey, I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. You have to be reborn of the spirit. Oh, I see. Then after we get understanding, the soul lines up, and then you will have the manifestation. So we have to get through the battle of the soul. The soul has to receive. You, you, there's an inner conflict with the word, and there will be a conflict with the word until the soul uh, lines up with what's spoken. Right? And so sometimes to, to get over that conflict, you've got to ask for more information. Give me clarity. Give me understanding. Help me to see what you're saying. Help me to understand. Help me to comprehend. Because if the soul is still battling with it, you're not going to bring, bring forth the victory. You're not going to bring forth the full manifestation or the full harvest. Does that make sense to you? So our souls must be saved. And how are our souls saved? The Lord said um, that we have to receive the word, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. The engrafted word, which means that God has already put a word in you. And we've got to be meek. In other words, we have to say, Lord, it's not me, not my will, but let your will be done. Uh, I reject my pride, my ego, and I receive what you are saying. Because he's already given us a word that's been implanted in our hearts. In receiving that implanted word, that engrafted word, that's what's going to save us. His word saves us. His word purifies our soul. His word washes our soul. His word recalibrates our soul. So we talk about recalibration of the soul. You're always recalibrated to something. 
The Bible talks about, we'll, we'll see this today, um, if the Lord wills, the Bible talks about the renewing of the mind, the renewal. In order for there to be a renewal or a resetting or a or reformation or reforming of the soul or in order for there to be a re, there has to be a first mind, a first part. You're always resetting to something, resetting to something. Even in a computer, there's already there's a factory setting, resetting to something. So in order for God to reset your mind, there's always a master. There's always a master. You reset to the master setting. So really, in order to set the mind, to reset the mind, there has to be a master mind. You're resetting your mind to a master mind or resetting it to the master's mind. The master mind, the master's mind. So that's what we're doing because the devil does not want you to take full advantages of what God has given to you. So let's go into the word. Let's go further in the word of God today. Uh, so last time we talked about how Jesus told us about the importance of the soul. Because remember, the Bible says that all creation is waiting in anticipation. It is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Those that will walk with power and authority. Those that will walk out the character and nature of Christ. The sons of God. The whole creation. All the earth is groaning wanting to see the sons of God, because when the sons of God step forth, then, the, then creation is released from its restraints. It's released from its restraints. The sons of God are those who receive the word of God, and there is no more battling or conflict with the word. There's ready obedience. I hear, and I readily obey. But that happens because the soul has been trained. The soul has been renewed. The soul has been renewed. And this is not going to happen just on uh, 30 minutes on a Sunday or 45 minutes on a Sunday. It's just not going to happen. When we spend just mathematically, how many hours are there in a week? Uh, I'm not sure how many. Somebody come up with it. You can Google it and let me know. How many hours are there in a week? Online community, I'm sure you already know. You're pretty smart. How many? Huh? Anybody find it yet? Somebody find it. How many hours are in a week? Come on, somebody. 168 hours in a week. Some of that you're going to sleep, I hope. Right? 168 hours in a week, and you're going to sleep. Let's say you slept seven hours every night. I know it. <laughs> right? So seven times seven, 49, 49 minus what? 168 is what? We got mathematicians, I'm telling you. Huh? 119. You got 119 hours. Well, you got to go to work some of those times, right? You got to eat some of those times and all that stuff. So, but I'm saying you've got all this time outside of here. If the only time we're feeding ourselves is in this box, in this building, you're only feeding yourself, what, 30-minute message, 45-minute maybe, maybe an hour compared to all the other time throughout the week. Now, the devil has an agenda to fill your mind with all of his lies and all of his word all throughout the week. We talked about that through movies, through music, through entertainment, through social media, through the Internet, all these. He has a whole agenda, a whole bit of programming to fill your mind, to fill your subconscious. And if the only time we feed ourselves is 30 or 45 minutes, 
in all the other land, just in the just in that, just mathematically, how in the world are we going to survive? The loudest voice will win. Let me say that again. The loudest voice will win. The voice that you hear consistently over and over and over, and the loudest one, that's one you're going to eventually trust in. So you're going to have to be proactive in the battle for your soul. You're going to have to get the Word of God. You're going to have to digest the Word of God. Hear, hear His Word. Read His Word. Study His Word. Getting His Word in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus talks about, um, and let's go to Matthew 10 very quickly. Matthew, Matthew 10, verse 39. Matthew 10, 39. The Lord says, He that findeth his life, the word life there in the Greek is suke, who finds his life uh, shall lose it. That is, you find your suke, your soul, your mind, your thinking. If you find it in this world, in this reality, if your thinking is rooted in this reality, thinking in, if your thinking is rooted in the mind of the world, you're going to lose it. If you think like them, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your mind. If you're thinking like them, you're going to lose your mind. When the world is so panicky, oh, the new this and the new that, and we follow right along with it, oh, this and all oh, that, we're going to lose our mind. But the Lord said here, he goes on and says, He that findeth, findeth his life shall lose it. Who finds his suke, his soul, his mind in this life shall lose it. And he that loses his life, his suke, for my sake, that is you, he said, shall find it. That is, you willingly ab abandon the mind of the world. You willingly abandon the thinking of the world. You say, I will not think, I will not operate as you do. If you willingly abandon it, the Lord said, then you will actually find it. You'll find your mind. You'll find it, but you can't have both. He says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 3 and 4, he talks about how the devil has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. At least that they see the glorious gospel. He's blinding their minds. Now listen, that there is an attack of the enemy. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to blind those who do not believe so that they won't see the gospel. Listen, the devil wants to blind the minds of those who don't believe so that they won't see the gospel. But that's only the first plan of attack. The second plan of attack is that he also wants to blind the minds who do believe so that they will not see the true power of the gospel and walk therein. He does not want you to fully become who you are. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it talks about how God gave gifts. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, and he goes on to say, till we grow, he wants us to grow and mature up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to grow into the fullness, the full measure of the stature of Christ. Because when you become like Jesus, he can't handle it. He can only restrain you when you have the mind of the world, when he has your attention. But when you become like Jesus, you become unstoppable. He could not stop Jesus, and he cannot stop those that walk in the image and likeness of Jesus. 
He does not want you to become like Jesus. So therefore, he's trying his best to blind your mind, to put your mind out, put your eyes out, to harden your heart against the things of God so that you will not fully become who you are. And that has worked to a lot of, that has worked in lives a lot of, a lot of people. They've gotten saved. They say, I received Jesus, but they have not, uh, they have not, their souls have not been completely saved. That is, their mind has not been renewed. And so they're saved, but they're still living like everybody else. And when they're saved and living like everybody else, your minds become blinded. And you will never fully become all that God has you to become. Now, again, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, talks about you becoming. You becoming. You becoming fully mature. You becoming fully mature, walking in the, the measure and the stature of Christ, the fullness of Christ. That's our goal, to mature to the fullness and the stature of Christ, to be like Jesus. That's our goal. That's our goal, to become like him, to be that overcomer, to become like him. That's our goal. That's our goal, not merely just to come to church and not merely just to have a Bible on your coffee table. Is we, we must become like Christ. Now, to that end, let's go back again to Ephesians 4th chapter. Let me show you something. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17 through 24. We want to talk about the uh, vain mind, the vain mind or vanity of the mind. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 24 says this. It says, this I say, verse 17, this I say, therefore... Now, whenever you see the word, therefore, if you're really going to study the word, you've got to ask your question, what is the therefore, therefore? Why is the therefore here? So verse 17 uh, puts another element, we can say, to what was said before it. Remember, before here, he's been talking about how the Lord gave gifts and how he wants us to grow and mature, that we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we may grow up into Christ. It says, therefore, that is, knowing that you must grow to your full potential in Christ. Therefore, knowing this, he says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. In other words, I've, get, I've received this command from the Lord. Since you know who you are, since you know the plan that God has for you is for, that, is, is for you to grow to unlimited power and resources. He says, this is what I command you. He says, what? That ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their thinking. To walk means to live, right? To conduct your life. Don't live like the other Gentiles are living. Now, why is he giving this command? Why is the Lord telling, telling the apostle to tell the people don't do this? Because they're doing this. There's a systematic attack of the enemy trying to pull the people of God back into the darkness. Not that they go to hell, but that they be ineffective. He wants to neuter you so that you don't multiply. He wants to make you ineffective. He wants to destroy your witness. He sees that you're saved. You gave the Lord Jesus Christ your heart, your life. He sees that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He sees he cannot touch you eternally, but he does not want you to spread what you have. 
He doesn't want you to interfere with what he's doing either. He spent a lot of time making somebody sick. He doesn't want you to go and cast the sickness out and tell him, be healed in Jesus' name. He spent a lot of time running people down. He doesn't want you to build them up. He said, keep what you got. So he's trying to pull you back into the darkness so that you'll be ineffective. He wants you ineffective. He doesn't care about you going to church as long as you're ineffective. So it says here, so the command goes, don't walk or don't live or don't conduct your life like the, like the other Gentiles, like the ungodly. How is that? How are they walking? In the vanity of their mind. Say that with me. The vanity of their mind. One more time. The vanity of their mind. Mind, of course, has to do with your thinking, your understanding, your thinking, your understanding. So it's the vanity of their thinking, the vanity of their understanding. Now let's look at the word vanity for a moment. Because the Lord tells us what not to do. I really need to know what that actually means. What does it actually mean not to walk in the vanity of my mind? What does it actually mean not to walk like the world thinks, not to walk like them, not to think like them, because they're living through the vanity of their mind. So let's talk about the vanity of the mind. Let's talk about the word vanity. The word vanity in the Greek is the Greek word mataates. Mataates. Come on, say it with me. Mataates. All right, we got some Greek-speaking folk up in here. Mataates. Mataates means the first definition really is wicked. He says, don't think in the wickedness, so don't walk in the wickedness of your mind. Don't walk that way. The first definition is wickedness. The second definition has to do with weakness. So their mind or their thinking is wicked, and now we see their thinking is uh, weak, weakness of thinking. Third definition, there are about five. Third definition has to do with uh, want of vigor. Want of vigor. Now, vigor has to do with uh, strength. It has to do with energy or enthusiasm. In other words, their thinking has no strength. Their thinking has no enthusiasm. Their thinking has no energy. Now, what, what does energy or enthusiasm or, or strength have to do with thinking? What, what does that mean? We think in order to get us out of certain situations, right? In order to change things, to, uh, our thinking should give us the power to bring positive change in our lives. He's saying the way they think has no energy. It has no strength to affect a positive change in their lives. It has no vigor. There's no energy. It is wicked. It is weak. Now, I told you five definitions. Mataates also means to be devoid of truth. To be devoid of truth. The word devoid means absolutely none is present. Absolutely free of. There is nothing there. I would say in this room, this room is devoid of sharks. There are absolutely no sharks in this room right now. This room is devoid of horses, devoid of cattle, 
There are no sheep in here. There are no cows in here. Completely devoid. So when the word says that um, mataates or vanity means devoid of truth, that means there's absolutely positively no truth in their thinking. It's only a bunch of lies. If there's no truth, that must mean there's a bunch of lies there. There's no truth whatsoever. And it, so it also means to be devoid of truth and to be devoid of appropriateness. Now, this is a big one. We're going to land right here for a few minutes. Their thinking is devoid of appropriateness. In other words, their thinking is inappropriate. It's not appropriate to the circumstance. Remember, the, the purpose of thinking is to create positive change. Positive change, strength to change something. I'm in a situation. I need to, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about this? If I'm, my thinking is correct and everything is right, then I can have a positive change. But their thinking is wicked. Their thinking is weak. Their thinking has no energy, no strength, no vigor. Their thinking has no truth. It's filled with a bunch of lies, and it's also inappropriate. Inappropriate thinking. Hmm, inappropriate thinking. Let me give an example of inappropriate. Let's say it is 10 degrees below zero outside. It's cold. It's very cold. 10 degrees below zero. But the person goes out in a pair of flip-flops and shorts and a little T-shirt. That is inappropriate for the conditions, right? Inappropriate for the conditions. Their thinking is inappropriate. It doesn't line up with the circumstance. Let me give you some more examples of inappropriate thinking. He says again, don't live like they do. Don't walk according to their way. Don't think like they think in the vanity of their mind. Here's another vain thinking. Let's say someone says, I'm sick. It is inappropriate to sit around and think about how sick you are or to worry about how sick I am, how sick I am. Worrying about this has no power to change it. So the thinking is vain. It is powerless to sit around and say, I am so sick, and continue to think about, continue to think how sick we are. Or, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. You're broken. You don't have any money. And you sit around and think about how broke you are. I'm so broke. I'm so broke. I'm so broke. And we worry all the time about it. That's inappropriate. Are you hearing? Or someone says, hey, my Lord, I understand about this, and I put on a couple of pounds myself. Someone said, I've gained so much weight, I've gained so much weight. You begin to think about how we've gained the weight and, and how much weight we need to lose and, and how other people are thinking about us because we, we've gained the weight and this and that and the other. All this, and we just constantly, our minds are worrying about this and worrying about that it's inappropriate. Instead, let's seek the wisdom of God as to what to do. Hallelujah. You got it? Their thinking is inappropriate. In other words, their thinking does not change the situation. Worry does not change the situation. All worry does is create more problems in your body. Hallelujah. I've been doing a lot of study on the mind lately. I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. Understand, your mind controls the brain. Your mind, or should I say, has heavy influence over your brain, and your brain 
orchestrates things that happen in your body. This is wonderful. As the author of the book that I'm reading is talking about digestion. Digestion. Don't you know, I should think that digestion began in the mouth. No, digestion begins in the mind. Researchers did an experiment. I thought this was pretty good. Where the, this guy, a dog trainer, uh, when he would uh, begin to feed his dogs, he would always ring a bell. He would ring the bell. And when the dogs heard the bell, they knew it was dinner time. So when he rang the bell, consistently rang the bell, the dogs with no food present, the dogs would begin to salivate. The sound, the noise, the mind began to prepare the body. The mind told the brain, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. All right, mouth, it's time to salivate. Blah, 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 blah. Another thing, too, in order for us to have good digestion, we're going to have to rest. Rest to digest. Say it with me. Rest to digest. You're going to find it difficult digesting when you're not at rest. Because understand something, the fallen body, and you and I have a fallen body because of Adam and Eve up there and all that stuff, right? Your spirit man is new. We're created in the, we were recreated in the image of Jesus spiritually, and we're in the process of restoring the soul, amen? But the body still, the, the, the body, uh, we have a fallen body. That's all it is. And the body will oftentimes, or its, its design is to follow the promptings of the soul. The body follows the promptings of the soul. You tell your body, your hand to raise, and your, and your hand raises. Your body will follow the promptings of the soul. But your soul, in its fallen state, body and soul in its fallen state, is not geared or positioned toward growth. It's geared or positioned toward survival. Survival. Survival and go the way that is less, as less pain as possible, no pain, and to pleasure. So automatically, when faced with a situation, we're going to choose, hmm, ice cream or gym. Hmm. I'm going to go to get some ice cream, right? Right? It takes resistance. You're going to have to really be proactive in choosing the gym over ice cream. In choosing, hmm, let me see here, uh, broccoli over chocolate cake. Mmm. Because the soul, the body, automatically wants the chocolate cake. But as you, re as you become renewed in the spirit of your mind, we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, today, if not today, the next week. As you are renewed, as your soul is renewed to, toward growth, toward growth, you have to force it toward growth, at least in the very beginning, until things become automatic. You got me? So if we're not renewed in the spirit of our minds, we'll tend to go back, we'll tend to drift back to those things that are comfortable. We tend to drift back when troubles come. The way we dealt with it before, we'll tend to go right back to those things unless you draw that mind back and say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because I know where this is going. I know where I've been. I know where it leads, and I know it doesn't have any good results. But I'm telling you, the soul is geared towards survival. It's geared toward a life that is 
less pain, that is good, that is a life driven for pleasure, you're going to have to pull it back. It's got to be renewed to begin to think like Christ. And so here's the word that the Lord tells the, the people. Don't walk like they walk in the vanity of their mind. The tendency is to walk in the vanity of the mind. Are you hearing? The tendency is toward uh, pleasure, and there's nothing wrong with that in the appropriate time and appropriate setting. Sometimes you need those broccoli. You need the broccoli. Hallelujah. You need the vegetables. You need the fruit. I know the hamburger look good. But maybe it's better to have a salad that day. Until you've gotten it in you where you, you've conditioned your soul, conditioned yourself, and you think, hmm, when given the choice, hmm, I'll have that salad. You know that that didn't just happen. That is the renewal of the mind. That is a changing of the soul so that you may become. You got me? Let's go on just a little bit further, and then we'll close down today. And so it says again, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. In the vanity of their minds. Now, let's go to verse number 18. Now, this is the result of walking in vanity of the mind. Okay, this is the result of it. You're going to find some of this. Now, he's talking about Gentiles, those who have not received Christ. This is, we'll see here the full ramifications of that here. But you see some of this happening within us, within us as well, those who are born, actually born again. So he says, don't walk in the vanity of your mind, uh, verse number uh, 18, uh, having the understanding darkened. Their understanding is dark. In other words, they are confused. They are confused. So having the understanding darkened or, they, or their, their thinking is confused, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Alienated means to be cut off from intimacy, to be cut off from fellowship. They're confused. And actually, the true interpretations verse is they're confused and they have cut themselves off from God. This is all from this point. This is all self-inflicted. They've made themselves alienated from God. They made themselves, they cut off the intimacy they had with God. So one, they're confused. The vanity of the mind leads to confusion. It leads to a cutting off of intimacy with God. It says through the uh, cutting off, it says, and, and uh, it says being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them. They have willfully, this is a willful ignorance. I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Vanity of the mind produces confusion. And Lord, you know, I, I know you want to be with me and all that, but uh, I'm cutting this off right now. You have a plan for me, plan to God's plan for my life. Yeah, I just don't want to know about it. A refusal to know about his plan. It says, because of the blindness of their hearts. Another interpretation of the word blindness is hardness because their hard, their heart is hardened. They don't want to, they don't want to see it, they don't want to know it, they don't want its presence. And usually when people do that, they're alienating themselves from God, they're dwelling in darkness, in confusion, 
They're walking in the vanity of their minds because of something else. And the verse, very next verse tells you why, why they're putting God off. Verse 19 says, who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and uh, uncleanness with uh, greediness. Lasciviousness means unbridled lust, uncontrolled lust. You know, when you want to do something bad, you may not want your parents around. When you want to do something wrong, you may not want the policeman around. You know? So you, they refuse. They say, God, I want to do this. Yeah, I know what you said, but uh, you stay over there. I'm going to be over here. They alienate themselves from God because they wanted to do something. You find, you can write this down later. Romans, uh, Romans 1, verse 28, I believe Romans 1, 28, talks about how there was a people that were, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do whatever they wanted to do. So here's the same thinking here. They refused to acknowledge God. They didn't want God. They, as a matter of fact, uh, they gave themselves over to unbridled passions. Let me read this to you uh, as we begin to close. Ephesians 4, verse 19, out of the New Living Translation, it says, they have no sense of shame. They have no sense of shame. It used to be a time that people would say, you know, they're coming out the closet where people were hidden because of a sense of shame. I don't want you to know what I've been doing. There was a sense of shame involved in it. People would blackmail people about it. I saw you wearing, I saw you, uh, people did things behind closed doors. I saw you over there wearing, man, I saw you over there wearing that dress. You're wearing your wife's dress in the back and, you know, whatever. They did things behind the closed doors. There was a sense of shame. But now there's no sense of shame. You know? There's no sense of shame. It says, um, it says, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. But ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. And be what? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, I'm going to end with this because I want, I want to end with this picture with you today. Are you still with me? He said, you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, it's not enough for me to tell you, stop doing this. Just don't do this. Don't think like they think. Stop doing this. That's not enough. It's not enough. Because unless you allow the spirit of the mind to be renewed. Now remember, the spirit of your mind is your subconscious. Your subconscious. The spirit of the mind, the spirit of the mind is your subconscious. Your subconscious is like your autopilot. Unless your autopilot has been renewed, you'll simply drift right back to where you were before. So it's not enough for, for the Lord to tell us, uh, don't walk like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind. And we should have a good understanding of what that means now. Don't walk like that. Don't act like them. Don't live like they do. 
But he says, you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, the subconscious of your mind has to be renewed. Your autopilot has to be renewed. Let me tell you about the power of your autopilot, your subconscious mind. Have you ever driven and you're out driving somewhere and you're, you're so caught up in thought and other things and you were heading home, but when you got into your driveway, you came to yourself wondering, how did I get here? How did, I give, how, how did I get here? Now, your mind was actively thinking about other things, but your subconscious took over. Your autopilot took over. You don't even remember turning left, turning right, stopping at stop signs, stopping at, at lights. You don't remember any of that, but yet and still, there you were. When you came to yourself, in other words, when your autopilot disengaged, when your, sub-pilot, uh, your uh, subconscious disengaged, then you, oh, I'm here. I mean, how did I get here? I don't remember any of that. Well, it was the pilot of your mind, your subconscious, that guided you back to that place, back to a familiar place. And it's the same thing that happens for us that are born again believers with sin as well. You can be guided. Your subconscious will guide you right back to a place of of pleasure, right back to a place really that will cause pain eventually, but we see it at the moment uh, you be guided right back to this spot, always tending to go this way, tending to think this way, tending to think about people a certain way, tending to, to gossip or tending to do whatever. It goes right back to that spot, and then we get to that spot and say, how did I get here? Why did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. How, I don't understand. How did I end up in this place again? What am I doing here? You were led right back there by the subconscious mind. That's why your autopilot has to be recalibrated. Your GPS, so to speak, has to be recalibrated to a new home. To a new home in the word of God. When this happens, I go here. I go to the word, not to the bottle. I go to the word. When this happens, I go to the word, not to the drugs. My GPS has been recalibrated. There's only one way to do that. That is you have to ingest large quantities of the word of God. Because once again, we're calibrated. Fallen mind is calibrated to go toward the familiar even though we know it doesn't work, we'll find ourselves back in that place, back in that position again, and wonder, how did I get here? How did I get here? So he says, you have to be, your mind has to be renewed in your spirit of the mind. You have to be renewed. How's that happen? You've got to get into the word of God. You've got to become a person of the word. Person of the word. And when you get the word of God in you, and you get it in you, you begin to focus on it. You you become recalibrated. You begin renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, you can ignore everything we just said. One ear out the other. And when you go into certain, certain, certain circumstances, you'll notice you begin to drift right back over there again. Drift right back over there again. Lord, why am I keep doing this? I don't want to do this anymore. Drift right back over there again. Just like ending up in the driveway. How did I get home? I don't remember making those turns. I don't remember. I don't remember. How did I get here? Your autopilot, subconscious, disengaged, and then you came to yourself. 
By the same token, how did I get here with all these folks? What's your name again? How'd you get in my bed? I don't remember. Autopilot got you right back in that spot. Whatever your thing is, whatever your thing is, part of this is not just when you're waking up, when you're in your driveway, but when you're going down the street, what, what, wait, wait, wait now, wait now. No, no, I'm not going here. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm, I got another home. I moved. I moved. I'm, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm going back over here. When you're stopping it midstream and then getting to the point where when you're getting to a certain situation where you don't even go in the, to the bad place anymore anyway. You don't even go to your old house. You moved. You moved. You moved. So I pray that today that you would reconsider, that you would consider the battle for the soul, that you remember that you are a thinking spirit, and you will think. You will think. And you do have a subconscious mind. That's why the Bible says you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And in order to get into the spirit of your mind... You've got to get that word in you. You've got to become a person of the word. You'll see slowly but surely, slowly but surely, you'll stop ending up in your old driveway. Slowly but surely, you'll come to yourself at this traffic light. And slowly but surely, you won't go in that direction anymore anyway. I pray you've heard the word of God today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as your, as your word has gone forth, Lord, I pray that your people... And we'll hear your word and that they will become all that you've intended for them to become. Lord, I pray that they will grow and that they will mature into the fullness of Jesus Christ. For Lord, you have so much more for them. Lord, I pray that we would not be, that the enemy would not be able to blind us or that we would not even harden our hearts to the life that you have for us. For your plans are perfect. They are flawless. And it is the right way for us to go at all times. Father, I pray that we would come back into our right mind, even as the prodigal son did, even in the pig pen. He came to himself. Father, I pray that we would come to ourselves. Lord, that you restore our souls, restore our minds, that we would see who you are and who we are in you. Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name for restoration of soul, restoration of soul, and that the sleepers would awaken to the full knowledge of who they are in you and who you are in them. Lord, I pray, restore their souls, restore their souls. Revive them, renew them, make them whole. I thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. In Jesus' name. And if our hearts agree, say amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next time. Love you. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today, only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.